When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you all. I hope uh, things are getting a, a little bit better up north for you people still trying to dry out. It'll be a long process, so uh, all the very best to you and uh, let's hope the rain stays away. Uh, so you can get on with it. Uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, our thoughts are with you. Yes, the show, of course, uh, in association with Brant, um, and uh, they are what you need to go and see for all your John Deere equipment, uh, the famous uh, green and yellow colours. So uh, anything remotely John Deere means you've got to go and see the people at Brant and their outlets around New Zealand. Really busy show this morning. Um, very shortly uh, talking to uh, New Zealand cricket selector uh, Gavin Larson, of course, um, wasn't a great night overnight, was it, to be fair? So um, Gav will be a little bit down in the dumps, I would imagine, uh, on that performance. But we've got a test series around the corner to focus on as well. David Ellis, uh, just after 9.30. Um, how do you go about spending a million bucks on a one-year-old filly? Uh, David Ellis will tell us uh, the process involved with that. Looking forward to having a chat with DC. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, we'll talk to James McConey. Of course, we've got one eye on the uh, football world. World Football Champs going on at the moment. The club champs, Auckland City, 1-0 down to Al Ali, conceding a very late goal in the first half. Panel with Ben Strang, Sam Ackerman. Uh, and we'll talk to Fletch, Brian Fletcher, uh, from uh, SEN in Australia. Of course, the NRL season is getting closer. Pre-season tournaments are almost with us, so we'll talk to Fletch on what's going on, and particularly the politics too. Are they going to sort the issues out over there? But it's cricket first up with Gav Larson. <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't a great night overnight, was it? Uh, the Black Caps dropped the T20 International Series uh, against India after scoring their third lowest total in T20 cricket, which uh, saw the host win by 168 runs, which is uh, a bit of a mauling in anyone's language. Uh, the tour of the subcontinent um, had its, uh, its highs and its lows. Perhaps Michael Bracewell the best performed overall. But there were some issues um, coming out of it, uh, bearing in mind, of course, the World Cup is over there, and uh, it's not that far away. So uh, to talk through some of those... Uh, hopefully get to the bottom of them. Uh, as, uh, well, Gav Larson's uh, been good enough to join us this morning. Of course, Gavin is uh, the Chief Selector uh, over here in New Zealand. Gav, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. Good morning, Smithy. Good to be with you, mate. Yeah, good to be with you too, Gav. Uh, bit tough to swallow a defeat like that, uh, but particularly uh, as the last part of the tour. Yeah, yeah, it is, Smithy. Um feeling a bit weary this morning after sort of obviously getting up and watching it and yeah yes it's a bit of a dagger through the heart mate when you see a performance like that it wasn't it wasn't flash um i didn't actually think somebody that we we really fired a shot which was really disappointing you know we we were sitting at one all with a series to win and um unfortunately india i mean india did play a superb game of t20 there's no doubt about that and they grabbed us by the throat early on and they just never let go but you know we didn't 
we didn't fight in our normal normal fashion. No, um, that that was I think the most concerning thing of all. That was probably not one thing you could take away from that last performance, and say it was good. Can we look look at on an overall basis? Um, we look at uh, the bowling unit that you uh, were uh, with over there, uh, Gav. Uh, Lockie Ferguson, Blair Tickner, Ben Lister, Henry Shipley, a lot of new names there. And Jacob Duffy, of course. How do you feel at the end of Do you feel confident that there was progress made by any of those players? Um, yeah, yes, I do. Um, and I think almost to go back a step and, and, and put some context around it, Smithy, you know, you. We, we had a number of players who, who weren't part of that series, so we knew right from the start that it was going to be a, a challenging um, series on the subcontinent, uh, you know, across right from the test, really, and um, through the ODIs in Pakistan and into, into India. Um, we were in a position where we, uh, we needed to, you know, move players in and out, and we need to make sure that we were always keeping an eye on what's happening in the future and a la the England tests that are you know, just on the radar. So it became a real opportunity for us to, I, I guess, to fold in some, some newer talent and to see how they go. And um, certainly there's no greater um, no greater entry point for anyone than a, than a sort of a white wall series in front of crowds like that in, in India. So, look, there was some, I think there were some good moments. There were some good successes. You know, you've spoken about Michael Bracewell and I think his game just keeps moving forward um, beautifully. Um, we had... We had sort of fits and starts from, from other guys. Um, the concerning thing for me, Smithy, was the number of, um, I guess, starts that got made with the bat, you know, the 20s, mm. 30s and 40s, not converting to big ones. Um, and just that sort of inability to apply the killer punch with the ball when needed. Right, OK. In terms of the killer punch, um, we used to have a killer punch in the form of uh, Trent Bolt. Where do we sit with him um, in terms of monitoring his availability? I, I know when he, when he first said, look, I want to go and do this, uh, my, own th- my own thing, he said, uh, but that doesn't mean I've closed the door on New Zealand cricket. If I'm available, I'd still like to play. Uh, is that still the attitude towards Trent Bolt? Absolutely. And look, the door is very much open. Um, Gary and Trent talk on a regular basis. Uh, you know, we, we all know Bolte's pedigree, his experience, and just what a great, you know, match winner he is and, and has been over the years for us. So we want him to be involved. We love him to be involved. We understand entirely, you know, his situation. Um, so we will keep working with him, Smithy. We've got a, a World Cup at the end of the year, and, I've, you know, I've got my fingers crossed that, you know, if the stars align, that we'll have a, have a certain Trent Bolt opening the bowling for us. That would be fantastic. Uh, there are other players in that bracket too who have decided to make their own way, own way around the cricket world, Gav. Um, I'd be interested to, to note um, what our feelings are on the, the likes of uh, Colin Munro these days. Yeah, look, Munro's is playing his trade in the, in the franchise league. We, uh, Gary and I do, do talk about Munro's a lot um, in selection meetings. His name comes up, but at the moment we are you know, giving Finn a, an extended run at the top and we, are, uh, we recognise his talent. We also recognise his youth and, his, and, his, and probably his inexperience at the moment. I don't think Finn's yet played, you know, 20 games yet in ODI or T20 cricket. So, but he, in saying that, he's reaching a point where, you know, we do need to see some more probably consistent returns by recognising, you know, what his role is um, at the top of the order too in, in both T20 and ODI cricket. Um, you know, his numbers are, are stacking up, certainly from a strike rate point of view, Finns. Um, so we, look, we will continue to give him a, a crack, you know, certainly through this, this home series and monitor that. And, and, and players like um, Munro, 
you know, they're, they're certainly not, they don't drop off the radar, Smithy. We're, we're keeping an eye on what's happening around the franchise world. Okay, cool. And I would imagine um, the likes of the Grandholm, Leesham, and um, even, I suppose, uh, Martin Guptill, who have t- chosen the same path, are, are, they, are they names that are still somewhere on the piece of paper? Yeah, yeah look, they are, definitely. Not, not Dutchie, because um, Colin, because he, he actually has retired, um, mm. you know, similar to Roscoe. Um, so, unfortunately, you know, we've lost, lost um, Colin now from our, um, from our system. So that's, that, that, that is actually a shame. And, and, you know, certainly when you start thinking about uh, test match combinations and what, what Colin brought to our team from a balanced point of view over the, you know, the, the really good five or six years that he was involved, you know, he's a big, he's a big loss in terms of his all-round role in that middle order. Right, OK. Um, yeah, just um, on the, the Finn Allen side of things, how, how, how much... More, how many more opportunities uh, can uh, you, you give him, Gav? Um, he had uh, nine white ball innings, I think. I tried to count them up this morning very quickly, around about 144 runs. So is it a subcontinent thing, or is it just about his overall um, approach to, to his style? Yeah, look, we would have, we would have wanted um, some of the you know, greater production, I guess. Um, but but in, his, in his style and in his playing his role at the top of the order there. You know, he played a couple of innings where he, you know, got some early impetus into the innings, and, and that's an abs- absolute key, because if you can maximise, you know, that power play up top, um, and then the other batters can come in, if he does get out for a, a very quick 20 or 30, then that can actually give you that momentum and push you on to a, to a big total. Obviously, what we'd love to see is, is what Government Gill did last night for India. Where you know I thought that was one of the you know one of the great T20 innings certainly you know that, that I've seen and, and he's a very very special talent um, but he just found I guess that the tempo and rhythm um, that we'd love to see someone like Finn um, achieve. Right, um, one of the t- oh, we get a lot of texts and actually on to the show as you would imagine, Gavin. A lot of people when we don't play so well get a little bit. Um, and more inquisitive than they normally would be and uh, one of them has been along the, the coaching process here, the fact that uh, we have got a World Cup in, in India coming up at the end of the year but a lot of our key coaching components uh, were not there um, what, what, uh, what is the answer to that? Uh, yes, yeah, it's a good question Smithy, look I, I don't um, you know, I'm not involved at a, at, a, at a deep level at all in terms of the coaching appointments, sort of my job is mm you know, purely looking through a selection lens. So I can't comment too too deeply on that. What I do know is that when the appointments were made for this uh, subcontinent series, you know, first of all, that we're very conscious of the relentless schedule, um, certainly from a, um, from a player's point of view, but also we must never forget the coaches and the support staff, you know, because they're in exactly the same boat. So it's very, very important to be you know, moving moving players and coaches in and out to make sure that we're keeping them fresh and, and also with a view to sort of what we call pinnacle events as well. So, and I guess the England series coming up, you know, they have two very important test matches um, for us. So from a coaching point of view, the, the other point I would make is that we were, you know, right in the middle of our domestic season. We um, The boys went offshore just before Christmas. They've been in the subcontinent, you know, since then. It's been a sort of a, a number of games over there, and we, and New Zealand cricket, made made the decision to leave the domestic coaches, who who may well have played a role in and around the Black Caps, at home to concentrate, 
you know, on their on their domestic teams. And, and hence um, guys like um, Paul Wiseman and Bob Carter were taken over to the Black Caps um, into this environment in India. Okay, spin bowling uh, depth. Now, uh, we're heading into a test uh, series now against um, England. Uh, traditionally, Gav, we uh, have not really relied too much on spin bowling. We all know that. Um, what about this time around? Is there, um, is, is there uh, an opportunity for a genuine specialist spinner against England, you feel? Uh, I think so, Smithy. Um, what we're doing is we're going to be announcing uh, the test squad on, um, on Friday, tomorrow. Um, we're going to name we're going to name 14 because we feel, given it's Mount Monganui and given the history of test matches up there and the way the pitch is performed, and also the fact that it's a pink ball test, um, it just adds sort of some interesting sort of dynamics around around selection. So we're going to name an extra player. We're going to have 14, and we're going to have sort of enough cover in that squad so that um, when Gary and Co. you know hit the mount and can have a look at the conditions. Um, then they can make an assessment and we've got the hopefully the resource to be able to pull the right 11 together. Well, then when we go to the basin, we're, sort of, we're all very aware of how the basin plays and we wouldn't expect it to, to play any any differently, all things being equal, and then we'll reduce the squad back to, to, to 13 for that test match. So, yeah, I think to answer your question, you can expect to see um, see a couple of spin options um, in that in that 14. Um, and, we're, and I don't see any reason in the slightest that if we felt that the conditions were going to be dry enough and that the pitch would turn, you know, that we could play a specialist. Uh, Gav, where were we at um, uh, with uh, Cole Jamison? I, I wouldn't imagine his workloads have been high enough to warrant uh, consideration for a test match, but where are we at with Jamison? Because Jamison two years ago was such an asset for us. Yeah, it's been such a shame, hasn't it? Um, and we have, you know, truly, truly missed him. He burst onto the scene just in, in, incredibly, and he's a very, very special talent. So that was um, that was a disaster, actually, what happened at Nottingham, I think it was, when he um, got a stress fracture in his back. But look, he's he's now recovered. He has um, he's rehabbed really well, and he's he's jumping out of his skin. Um, I've watched him in a couple of T20s, and I watched him bowl a set of ten in a in a Ford Trophy game at the Basin, and I chatted with him afterwards, and he has come through absolutely fine. He's, he's as I say, he's jumping out of his skin to, to get back on the park for the Black Caps. We need to be very careful, Smithy, with um, just how he manages transition back into international cricket, and you know, in particular, the intensity that that, that comes with playing at that level. Um, but you know, what I'll say is, we we believe he's all but all but ready, and we just need to. Um, just work carefully in these last stages to make sure we don't. Uh, we certainly don't want to break them again. Uh, I look at uh, the the top six, the batting side of things, um, and a lot of uh, very settled players in there. Of course, uh, Gav, our Test cricket has been pretty good of late. Just the one spot I, I kind of feel a, a, a little bit um, nervous a wee bit about, and that's the Henry Nichols, Will Young type bracket. Um, how, how, have we sorted that out? Um, yes, you're probably right. Smithy, that's that's one that does get talked about a bit, and um, we I, I think the next couple of tests are going to be important to just see how that how that sort of area within the test team um, sort of takes shape. So, look, the, the currency for all players, all batters, is, is scoring runs, and in test match cricket, it's 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 scoring big runs, and you know we're wanting our guys to be averaging forty or fifty. Um, so, and form ebbs and flows, and we know that, and, and, and no player is going to 
you know, be consistently, you know, churning out runs. Some some people listening might go, well, Deb Conway seems to, and Kane at times. Yeah. And, that, and look, that's and, and that's true. But, you know, in a general sense, you know, form does tend to sort of ebb and, ebb and flow. So we're very conscious of making sure we allow players, um, you know, time to recover form when, when they are um, ebbing, ebbing a little bit. Um, but, you know, the rope is only so long. Right, and okay, that's fine. Uh, I think I get the answer to that one. And the, uh, I just wonder about the style of cricket too. I mean, we all know what. Uh, well, we all know what what England threatened to try and do. Um, we were on the back end of it, the receiving end of it in, in England not so long ago. How do you think they'll? Do you think they'll uh, come again very hot? And and how we how will we look to counter that? Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good question. I mean, what Baz has brought to that England team is just well, it's staggering. I mean, it really is, and I've chatting with some um, sort of colleagues over in England about it and they're, they're equally staggered with, with how that test team is, has turned around. It's a fantastic story, it really is. And, and again, to answer your question, I don't think, there's no doubt they will, they will come very, very hard at us. They won't change their, their MO. Um, and so we need to, um, from a tactical point of view, make sure that we're addressing that. Um, and, and I know Gary is developing plans you know, around, around that now. But be rest assured, I think we've got a couple of pretty exciting test matches in front of us. Okay, Gav, uh, thanks very much for your, your time this morning. Uh, interesting um, selections ahead, uh, some uh, things to ponder, I'm sure. So, um, well, thank you for your time and uh, uh, all the best against England. Uh, can't wait for it to start, to be fair. Thanks, Smithy. Appreciate it, mate. Yeah, cheers, uh, Gavin Larson there with his assessment where we're at after uh, the subcontinent tour. Of course, uh, as he says, you've got to uh, you've got to be very conscious in terms of the coaching side of things um, as to how you monitor <coughs> their energy levels and uh, their freshness, etc., for the ideas. So um, you heard it uh, from Gav. So um, at double eight double three is our text line, uh, Temper Bedpost text machine coming in on that number double eight double three. What did you make of that? Um, to me, uh, overall, don't expect too many changes. Don't expect too many changes. In fact, we heard that. The Finn Allen um, experiment is going to be continued for uh, a little while yet. Uh, to me, um, we can't be too too patient with it because at the moment um, they've got him on toast, Finn Allen. Uh, the overseas bowlers, doesn't matter who it is, uh, they know exactly what he's going to try and do and he is not being able to do it. So uh, he has to come up with a, a very, very quick answer to that. So uh, along with his batting coaches, um, he has to be looked at because at the moment he's a bit of a walking wicket. And uh, we can't afford that going into a World Cup. It is uh, 9.21 here on SENZ. You succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, keep the text coming in on 8833 on the uh, Temper Bedpost uh, text machine. Um, hi Ian, thanks for not shying away from the tough questions to Gavin Larson, who seems like a thoroughly decent bloke he is. Uh, regarding selection, I have uh, more clarity on New Zealand cricket thought processes, but I'm still not convinced regarding the coaches not being in there. However, I accept that's uh, not under Gavin's, uh, not under his brief, uh, to be fair. That's uh, from Mikey G. Uh, look, here's what I feel about the coaching thing. I think they've answered their own question. When they say that uh, you've got to have a rest, you've got to get away from it, um, it's too much to do it 12 months of the year, isn't that the perfect signal to say, split the role? Split the role full time, isn't it? I mean, isn't it the perfect signal? Isn't there models around the world to say, 
uh, look, you know, <laughs> we need to go um, with a test coach and then we go for a white ball coach. It's, you know, and then we wouldn't have these issues and people asking questions about why he wasn't there because they'd split the workload and they'd have more time at home, more time to focus on their particular um, strength in the game, which is either white ball or red ball. I, I don't see that as, as a problem. I mean, uh, goodness me, it seems to work pretty well for England at the moment. Uh, and that's, that's a perfect model and one of our blokes is at the helm and uh, it doesn't have to be a New Zealand coach either because uh, the Australian uh, coach of the, uh, uh, his name escapes me, Anthony, anyway, uh, he's the coach of um, the English white ball team, of course, he was um, the coach of the Australian women's team so successfully, moved across, so they've got a New Zealand coach coaching test cricket, they've got an Australian coach uh, coaching white ball cricket. Not a problem. I don't see that as a weakness. I don't think that's an error in anything at all. But the fact that coaches need rests these days actually answers the question as to why they do all three jobs. If they if they can't if they need time away from one of those jobs, particularly on important overseas tours, etc. Uh, and I regard any overseas tour as an important one. Um, then split the role. It, it just split the role. Um, Mark's come in and said Gavin Larson is uh, part of the problem in New Zealand cricket he's way too soft um, out of BS the way New Zealand played this morning it was, he knew that uh, it was crap performance, shocking performance one of our most embarrassing performances there's uh, bugger all accountability it seems you uh, to get in the black caps you just about have to retire to get out of the black caps, it's very disappointing the coaches and selectors need to be uh, way more ruthless um, yeah I think so, I think there's also some accountability uh, about you know, the test performance um, it hasn't been bad to the extent that some of our one-day performances have been, but I'll tell you what it has. It has been bad in terms of the test championship because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're still the holders of the test championship. And last I looked, we were either second or third last on, on the rankings. Uh, so far away from uh, defending the trophy, it doesn't matter. So, bear scrutiny, I, I would have thought, bear scrutiny. Um, and, yeah... Questions to be answered. Keep those texts coming in. Very interesting. Uh, double eight, double three. Um, be as hard hitting as you like. And it is uh, coming up to 9.30, which means that Araha has a news break for us. On SCNZ. Nine thirty-one here on SENZ in the mornings, and uh, over the last uh, four or five days, we've been focusing a lot, actually, this station on uh, what's been happening out there at uh, Karaka uh, with the New Zealand uh, bloodstock uh, sales, and uh, it's been quite incredible some of the numbers coming through. Um, and I, I just thought, uh, who better to go to uh, than the, the man who's been the driving force in terms of buying uh, from a New Zealand point of view for so long now, um, and drives the market really. Uh, is one David Ellis, of course, a celebrated man within the racing industry um, and uh, a forerunner, uh, not just uh, in New Zealand but uh, Australia as well. Uh, his ability to pick horse flesh is uh, second to none. So uh, we've got David on with us this morning and I'm absolutely thrilled and privileged about that. David, good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. No, look, it'd be interesting to know, David, how you go about this because um, we only see the end result when you start winking at the auctioneer and the numbers go up and up and up and you get uh, at the end. But uh, how about the process for this? Uh, when does it start? For, for instance, next year's, next year's lot, next year's book possibly. When will you start looking at uh, possible candidates for yourself? 
Well, we also uh, at Tiakau have a few broodmares, so we often go to the studs uh, during the breeding season and have a look at the foals, and uh, we make notes of foals that we like then. And then in uh, the first week of November, the catalogue comes out, and uh, every night for probably two hours, uh, I research the pedigrees, make notes on... uh, different aspects of a pedigree that I think will either enhance uh, a filly or colt's um, racing performance and um, then uh, by the um, end of November we start inspecting them. We inspect every horse uh, in the um, in book one uh, and uh, then we finish up with a short list of uh, probably 130 horses and then um, the Tiakau team of Mark Walker, Joe Walls, Marcus Corbin and myself, we then ins- inspect those horses again. And then we get our vet, uh, Doug Black, uh, to inspect them and to give us his opinion. So it's a, a, a really good team effort. And uh, there's literally nothing we don't do to make sure we buy the right horses. And uh, Doug Black been doing this for me since 1986 uh, as the stable vet um, and um, now he does all the yearling sale work so it's just a system that has worked pretty well It certainly has David, uh, the success rate is uh, quite unbelievable to be fair um, when you look at these horses and you, how much do you weigh, you mentioned before you study bloodlines, you study pedigree um, on paper and then it comes, of course, to the look of the horse, the, what you see with the natural eye. Is there any, is there any sort of uh, preference to either way there, or do you keep an open mind? I mean, for instance, a, a horse that really takes your eye but might not have the bloodline that uh, a lot of people will be looking for. Well, I always go back to a story that the very famous racing commentator, Peter Kelly, told me. And he was used to auctioneer at the Trentham Yearling Sales and in the early days of Cracker. And he told me that uh, when you were selling in book one, you'd have a pedigree update from the breeders every second or third lot. When you were selling in book two, you might have a pedigree update twice a day. So I think that tells you just how important pedigrees are. But we also like to um, combine the pedigree with the individual for example um, you can have a beautifully bred filly that we just don't think will develop Uh, we don't think has the strength to go and be a really good horse and um, the price uh, doesn't have a big bearing we bought a horse like uh, ginger nuts for example for 42,000 but we just liked him as an individual Uh, we thought that um, he would grow and develop. And I think the most important thing is that what these horses look like the day of the sale is irrelevant. What is very relevant is what they look like the day you put the jockey up for the first time. And horses change dramatically in 12 months. And it's the people that can um, judge how they're going to change and visualise what they're going to look like in 12 months' time that won what I call the game. 
Okay, right. Um, that's cool. Uh, I, I like to look at the buying process as well, if we can, David. I mean, you, you know, you're very recognisable. Uh, the cameras follow you because they know that when you sit in the auditorium, uh, something's probably about to happen. So, um, you, you don't sit in there all the time, though. What are you What are you actually doing behind the scenes before you you pop in and and uh, and have a crack? Uh, well, I could be talking to a new owner. I could be talking to our existing owners, um, or I could be um, trying to have some lunch between lots that we we, we like. But um, we we sit there, you know, probably eighty percent, seventy five, eighty percent of the time, because we enjoy seeing the horses sell too. Rightio, um, bidding jewels. You get into some wonderful bidding jewels. Do you enjoy that? <laughs> well, I don't like, and I don't enjoy being beaten. I know that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's all it's and it's all part of the theatre. I mean, it's it's you know it's 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 wonderful. Yeah, I think the most important part is um, have you bought a Group One horse or not? Because um, if a horse wins a Group One race, he's cheap at half a million dollars. If he's hopeless um, and doesn't win races, uh, he's expensive at fifty thousand. So um, you know, we, we we just try and buy horses that we think uh, can go on and and say race as autumn two-year-olds, and then go on and be better at three. And you look at it, a lot of the good horses that we've had in the stable, they've gone on and had their best years at five and six. So the horse, the individual is very important. The way they develop is very important to us. And um, But we don't like buying slow, maturing horses that take forever to get to the races. Lot 586, David Ellis. Lot 586 is uh, a bay filly by Fastnet Rock out of Test the World, and you've bought that for $1 million from Curramore. Um saying afterwards, one of the best fillies you've ever seen. Tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, so the morning of the sale, I said to Karen, now later on today, uh, there's a filly that has really taken my eye. And um, she said, how does it compare with other good fillies you bought? And I said, well, I've been buying here since 1986. And I think this is the best filly that I've seen in that time, uh, both on pedigree and on type. And uh, I said there's a lot of upside in the pedigree. For example, the mare uh, has a brilliant pero colt at foot that I inspected uh, when I was in the Hunter Valley in December. The mare's back in fold to So You Think. She's been reared on a world-class farm in Coolmore and she's come over here to Caramore to be prepared for the sale. And um, each year, um, I the highest I rank horses B plus, B plus plus, B plus plus to an A. And uh, I gave this filly an A, which is the first A I've given. Uh, I think since I bought Extravagant, so. Um, then I kept saying to my team, go back and have another look at this. I'd, and they all came, kept coming back to me and say, you haven't got this wrong. This is just an outstanding filly. So to buy her and have her for New Zealand 
and um, to, I went down and saw her after dinner last night and she'd just settled in so beautifully and to have her in the stable to race and we hope she's in the crack a million in 12 months time but she is a really exciting filly um, with great depth of pedigree and a really good residual value this filly so, David, uh, what initially now, all going well, and of course things uh, happen, we all know that with, uh, with in horse racing that hold things up um, and, uh, you know, can put plans on hold. So all, all things going well. Uh, what would be your plans for this filly? So she'll have six weeks in the paddock at Tiaka Stud, and then we'll break her in um, through um, April, and she'll be in the stable um, with Mark Walker, for three weeks in May and then we'll turn her out for a spell and then we'll get her ready to have a jump out in um, September and probably a trial in October then we'll probably give her another two week spell and then we'll get her ready for racing but what we do with our two year olds, we let them tell us when they're ready so if a, a, a filly or a colt is enjoying their work and they saying that, and they tell us uh, that they're enjoying it, and they want to keep going. We take them to the trial. If they tell us they've had enough and they want to go out for a spell, they come straight back out to Tiaki Stud, and they have two weeks, two months, depending on the type. Right. Um, before we give you a, a chance to uh, to do a bit of advertising here, your overall impressions of of uh, book one and, and and the three or four days at Karaki, you encouraged by it? Yes, I thought there was um, some really um, top-class yearlings in the sale. We really only wanted to buy 15, but I find it difficult not to take a, 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 a really nice yearling home. So uh, we finished up with 28, and um, they're all home here on the farm now, and uh, they've settled in well. So um, the future is very exciting. Well, it's exciting too um, for people that uh, might want to get involved, uh, David, and uh, you and uh, especially um, your good lady Karen, Karen do a hell of a lot of good work in terms of syndication of horses. How do we go about getting hold of you? How do we go about getting part of this? So probably the easiest way is to go onto our website and uh, it's all very well set out there. Our daughter, Julia Rose Hayes, um, she runs the website and um, every horse we've bought there's photos and videos uh, of the horses and it also explains what to do uh, that's at tiakiaracing.com but also people are welcome to ring me direct uh, I always take my phone calls and uh, they're welcome to have a chat and I can talk them through it and email them any information or they're welcome to uh, email Karen and her email address is on the website. And, and of course, uh, David, we're not talking, uh, we, we've, we've talked telephone numbers a couple of times this morning in terms of purchases, but we're not talking telephone numbers in, in terms of getting involved, are we? No, there's a lot of people that um, spend five, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty thousand 15000 with us, or people can buy a horse outright on their own. It doesn't worry us at all. They're all made to feel welcome. And, uh, you know, last night somebody rang and said that last year they spent $5,000 with me and they'd like to do the same this year. And what a great experience. That horse hasn't got to the races yet, but it will be soon. 
and um, they um, the, 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 they came back and they, they couldn't believe how welcome they were made to feel. David, uh, well, I know I know firsthand exactly that experience you're talking about. I couldn't recommend it more. So, hey, look, I know you're an extremely busy man, uh, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and just explaining the process because it's so damned interesting how uh, you know a, a horse becomes a million dollar purchase, etc., and the process is involved. It was uh, very enlightening. I thank you for your time, mate. You're very welcome, man. Yeah, cheers, uh, David Ellis. There, folks. Um, we'll catch up with him in due course. Um, wonderful host, but uh, certainly is uh, absolutely brilliant at what he does and. His eye is uh, second to none in terms of what he is. And you only have to look at the performances of the Tangerine Army, uh, Tiakau, and um, uh, when uh, the overseas jockeys and uh, OP Bosson are teaming up with them, uh, you know you're in business. And uh, they are so, so successful. Um, if you want to get involved, uh, I can only endorse the opportunity to get hold of them and uh, get onto that website straight away uh, because uh, they'll go quickly, some of them. 9.45 here on SENZ. It's dairy all around the world, but in Wellington, it's world famous for being the SENZ frequency. Strap in, listen up and get involved. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Know when to fold up Smithy's Multi Know when to walk away And know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports Download the TAB app today Right, uh, let's look at uh, what happened uh, yesterday In terms of uh, our uh, event with uh, The Nuggets got up, the Clippers got up I believe uh, Ream to beat Lorient Ream to beat Lorient I'm just checking that Yes they did, so we got that one up as well Ream got up 4-2 to beat Lorient this morning, so uh, good. Uh, t- tonight, of course, is uh, it's the BBL Grand Final. The Sixers are hosting the Heat uh, in Sydney, and I think they'll beat them too at a dollar fifty-three. The Sixers to beat the Heat at a dollar fifty-three. A couple of basketball games to complete it this afternoon. Basketball's been treating us kindly lately. Uh, the Golden State Warriors to beat the Timberwolves at a dollar fifty-eight, and the Grizzlies, even without Stephen Adams, are favourites to beat the Portland Trail Blazers at a dollar forty-three. So $3.46, $3.46 for that uh, particular multi. Uh, I can also give you a, a football update. Uh, Ali have run away from uh, Auckland City in the second half. They have been, uh, in my opinion anyway, uh, way too classy. We'll be talking to James McConey after 10 o'clock on uh, a lot of football issues and some really interesting developments uh, just uh, lately, very lately in fact, about uh, the All-Whites coaching position. So uh, we'll be hearing uh, Logan Swinkles has got an announcement about that. We'll bring in James McConey. Uh, yes, but it's 3-0 at the moment, uh, Al-Ali uh, against Auckland City, and we're in the third minute of extra time there. We'll be back uh, shortly, um, leading into the 10 o'clock news. Are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Full time in the football, uh, they had a player sent off, uh, did Auckland City, I think his name was Adam Mitchell, was sent off uh, in the... Fifth minute of uh, extra time for uh, a foul, which, professional foul, which was uh, fine. It was uh, originally given a penalty. It was uh, then reviewed and taken outside the box. They failed to convert that. So 
uh, 3 0. 3 0, uh, the end result between uh, Auckland City and Al Ali, the uh, Egyptian champions. Uh, way too good for them, uh, in all honesty. Um, right, uh, we'll uh, talk about the fact that we've got uh, football to talk about, uh, more football after the break uh, with James McConey. Might talk, uh, touch on that uh, club game that's just finished there. Uh, great interview with uh, David Ellis. Watch him by the Million Dollar Philly on Sky. Thanks for giving us uh, 263. That was from Rex. Um, uh, Gavin Larson, oh, we've read that one out. Yeah, we don't. Um, poor old Gav. Uh, this morning, Smithy Bone Crush was brought uh, for bugger all because it didn't have the pedigree. How good was uh, that horse? Uh, we all know. Legendary. That's how good it was. Um, Nick says, uh, Smithy. Uh, Regards to Gavin last interview, he really is the master of waffling without ever actually saying anything of note. Any way, surely Finn is on his last legs and would love to see Michael Rippon give a crack as an all-round game and could be the all-rounder to fill Dutchie's hole in the test matches. Interesting. Uh, will he be in the 14? Michael Rippon, uh, I'm not quite sure that he will for that first test match starting uh, February the 16th at the Bay Oval. Interesting. Um, I wouldn't be thinking Michael Rippon would be in there. Um, be interesting to see if AJ's Patel... Um, is uh, in that 14 or not Michael Bracewell will probably be in that 14 batting insurance there with a bit of spin hmm interesting don't think they'll depart too much from uh, where they're at uh, Gavin Larson is uh, pretty tried and true and uh, he is also quite faithful to those he gives the opportunity to James McConey coming up next Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ in the mornings and uh, football fans around the country were wondering what's happening with uh, finding the next All-Whites coach to take over from Danny Hay. Originally, they were expected to be announced uh, mid-January, the candidates, and well, now it's February, and there's uh, finally been some news. Uh, John Herdman was reportedly their preferred candidate. This is what New Zealand Football CEO Andrew Pragnall told News Hub last night. We're still in dialogue and positive communication with them and their intent to come here. Um, having said that, you never know how these things play out. So uh, post-March, we'll sit down, review where we're at, see if um, things have changed in terms of the personal circumstances and take it from there. But since then, it has been revealed that Herdman isn't going anywhere. And the All-Whites are back to the drawing board in Logan. Uh, Swinkles has the update on this. I believe Herdman has released his own statement on this matter. Yes, this coming via Canada Soccer. He has said, success at this level will always be invite opportunity. I've received several offers in recent months, all of which I have turned down, including an offer from New Zealand Football to our Canadian players and our fans. I want to reiterate my commitment to Canada Soccer and the growing of this program. We still have a job to do, and the objective is to take this team to the next level in 2026. Okay, thanks very much for that, Logan, and that uh, just really released from John Herdman and uh, Canada Football. So joining us now on uh, SENZ in the mornings is someone who was at the last World Cup attended by the All-Whites, a man of uh, many talents, including producer of Sky Sports Football Fix, the one and only James McHoney. Uh, James, good morning to you. Uh, what do you make of this circus? Can I call it a circus yet? Smithy, so much drama. We're so lucky we didn't pre-record this segment aren't we? Because <laughs> there's stuff happening all the time. 
And um, I think that latest statement uh, that come from John Herdman pretty much says it all. And maybe he did use, uh, just from reading between the lines, maybe he did use the, the interview with New Zealand football to drive up his price in Canada because he still is in demand over there. He, he's won everything with the Olympics with the women's team and um, took the men to that World Cup in Qatar. Yes, they got bundled out in the first round, but showed some promising signs. So he is an elite coach with a lot of ability, but even the fact his son, uh, Jay, plays uh, under-20s for New Zealand, I think it would have been a huge conflict of interest for him to come back. And when he was here, he coached our New Zealand women's team, and they didn't have a huge amount of success. So uh, the, the sort of person you need to, to coach the New Zealand team might be a different sort of character than the, than the smooth-talking John Herdman. Right, can we talk basics here? And, and football's a very professional game. How much are we prepared yeah. to spend? Have we got enough money to attract um, a high-ranking coach? Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's, that is the million-dollar question. I don't know if they've got that much. Probably not. Uh, Smithy, you've, you've had a son who's played at the elite level, and I, I always, always feel that those guys who end up going overseas and playing end up probably knowing more than the um, than the all-whites coach when they come back. You look at Ryan Nelson in 2010, pretty much coaching the team. I mean, sorry, Ricky, to Ricky Herbert, but, you know, Ryan came back and took that team by the scruff of the neck at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. And it's a big part of of what happens, really, is the, the, the IP, the knowledge that comes back with those top professionals, gives us anything that's, uh, that's in the coaching uh, team at that time. So... Look, do you want to go and get the big dog, or do you say this is a team that's kind of going to be run by Chris Wood and the Golden Generation coming through? Mm, interesting point. Very interesting point. Uh, Ufuk Talay uh, apparently informed during the week that he didn't get the job. Uh, does that bring him back into consideration if John Herdman was the, the man they, they kind of thought they'd take out instead of him? Well, I'd hope so. To me, Ufuk Talay is the number one candidate. Um, look, he might be a bit uh, rough around the edges. Um, he he wouldn't have interviewed as well as John Herdman in his PowerPoints. I'm for sure he would have required a couple of cigarette breaks and would have needed to swear for most of it. A bit like that guy from the Trailer Park Boys. This is a reference. You probably haven't seen that show, Smithy. But what you will get, I think, is um, because you're, you're, a, you're a top sportsman, right, Smithy? And, you, and to me, I think that uh, Ufuk Tale is... is part of the old school, you know. He'll tear strips off you, but he's honest. He'll tell it to your face. He's one of those guys who everybody, he's managed to reinvent the Phoenix every single year because they lose about five, six, seven players every single time. Reinvents them. Still the culture is amazingly strong. And still they, they play an incredible attacking brand of football. And he turns someone like this year, a striker from the Polish League, into the best striker in the A-League. So, okay, what does it take to be a... And let's look at this. We're, we're, talk, we're not talking about a, a team that's going to win the World Cup. We're talking about a team that probably, because the expansion of world football and the World Cup itself, in all likelihood, James, they should be there, the All-Whites. So we're, we're looking at giving a, a coach an opportunity this far out to say, you will be taking this team to the World Cup, which has got to be, in a way, a carrot itself, surely. Yeah, that's the thing. They're expanding the World Cup. Totally right. It's a it's a freebie, uh, really. Um, they're they're going to 
uh, have a uh, the team I'd mentioned, the Golden Generation. And I know some of these names might not mean a lot to to some listeners out there, but you know, Safrit Singh was signed by uh, Bayern Munich. He's playing. He's been on loan to a, a a lower German club. He's he's coming through. Matt Garbett uh, was playing in Italy and now is going to Holland. I think um, Liberato Cacacci is in Serie A in Italy. All these guys coming through. Uh, this this whoever this coach is is so lucky. They're inheriting an incredible team. Uh, Chris Wood will be at the end of uh, his career, but still good enough to play in the next World Cup. And so I, I honestly think that you're better off having somebody who knows how to relate to these players and um, and understand the New Zealand psyche. I, I, I don't think... I think you know going and trying to find a big-name coach is just a too-hard basket for a, an association the size of ours. Right, OK, well, whoever they appoint um, is surely uh, going to need more help than Danny Hay got. Uh, just looking from the outside, yeah. it looked as if Danny Hay did most of um, the spade work himself. OK, we were governed a little bit by COVID during his uh, tenure, but certainly he, he seemed to be doing a lot of the arranging uh, from the outside looking in, James. Yeah, D- Danny Hay, his, his biggest mistake was... and. You know, we've all known people in sport who are like this. He just is brutally honest. Um, he wouldn't suffer fools if he saw something that wasn't right for his team. He'd spell it out. So he had a lot of people um, at New Zealand football offside with him. And um, when they got the chance to get rid of him, they just thought, well, let's get rid of Danny. He's been mean to me. Pretty much I feel like that's part of it. Because if you look at what was going on on the pitch, you know, um, if it wasn't for a silly um, VAR decision we would have gone into extra time against uh, Costa Rica, and who knows, we could have just been in Qatar as well. So, look, mm. I, I like what Danny Hay brings, but to be honest, I think the old school, and maybe Ufuk's part of that too, are getting phased out, and I feel like it's it's actually, they've just got to be careful there, because you can have as many new school coaches come and impress you in an interview and say the right things, but anyone can say the right things, you know, like the, the proof is in the pudding, and whether somebody it doesn't mean that they necessarily think the right things or are, or are behaving themselves. Um, you know, when they're just not being um, interviewed or watched or whatever. So I always feel like, you know, if you've got someone who is a, a chain smoking, potty mouth, uh, grumpy, you know, sort of stomping coach on the sideline, an Aussie in the case of Ufuk Tale. Who cares? As long as he's actually really good at what he does and the players are happy, then um, you've got a great coach. Right, let's, uh, let's look at what's coming up for the All Whites. Uh, my understanding is that uh, they have matches again uh, next month at Eden Park and Sky Stadium um, against China. But at this point, uh, just looking at the timeline or listening to the timeline I just heard from Andrew Pragnall, they won't have a coach at that point. How does that work? Uh, they'll probably just have an interim coach. They're talking about Darren Baisley, who's been involved in a lot of New Zealand teams, and I guess that's that's all they can do. And and presumably, the selection will be relatively conservative, um, or you know, in line with what's been uh, picked in recent times. So, I guess that's that's all they can do if they can't nail someone down and and um, and find their their preferred candidate. Uh, they're they're in a quandary, but. You know, it's the start of a World Cup cycle. There's, these are just friendlies, so we can at least just say it's doable. With um, But we need some, I guess, clarity. It's been way too long. If you 
if you look at the timeline to when they they dumped Danny Hay, I think they've had plenty of time to um, to name someone. So they'll, they'll probably be feeling um, a little bit embarrassed that they haven't been able to find or you know if John Herbin was number one, they'll they'll be disappointed and and licking their wounds. But then the people who reported it will be even more <laughs> mortified because they're getting roasted on Twitter, Smithy. And I don't, I, you're probably not on Twitter, but it's a, it's not a good place to be if you were picking um, uh, John Herbin <laughs> to be All Whites coach. No, apparently not. And I feel sorry for those particular <laughs> individuals who are getting lambasted. <laughs> Look, James, you've dealt uh, with a lot of administration in your role over the years, uh, rugby unions, uh, cricket bodies, I'm sure, uh, bodies all around the world too. Um, how is New Zealand football to deal with from your perspective? Oh, I've, I've actually had really good dealings with New Zealand football, but I'm probably, again, going back a, a long way because... You know, in recent years, I've only really had to sort of deal with media managers. I haven't really known any of the top brass, so I can't even comment on that. But, um, you know, I was at the 2010 World Cup uh, back in, um, in in South Africa. And even again, I, I felt like the um, the person who was probably reached out the most was Ryan Nelson. You know, he was kind of fronting. And then when you read his book, he, he said they didn't give them enough um, uh, was it food allowances? <laughs> they, they, that's why the food was so bad, even though FIFA has quite a generous allowance. So there's a bad history that they need to have, um, at least uh, rectify. And I'm hoping that this generation of uh, football administrators is better. But to be honest, I actually can't comment on this lot because, you know, I've been working on the Kiwi Football Fix, busy trying to put a show together. And when we've had to get someone on from New Zealand football, they have obliged. So we had Yitka Kunkova uh, last week, and uh, I think Andrew Pragnall was on earlier in the season. So, you know, um, I, I think at the moment it's um, it just remains to be seen, really. But, yeah, no complaints from me. Across the fo- football fix, of course, uh, you will be uh, covering a lot of women's football coming up, of course, with the World Cup. Uh, not that far away, uh, James, to be fair, just a matter of months. Um I'd imagine uh, it would be a major focus then um, with this opportunity and, and uh, will we cash in on uh, what's about to happen on our shores? That's the, a big question. Yeah, the, the, we probably don't realise just the, the wave of um, you know, f- football fever that's going to um, encompass and envelop the nation. Like, you and I, we love our football. I think we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, I'll be going along to watch games and, and, uh, and enjoying all of that sort of um, fanfare. Um, as a show, I think we're carrying on on Sky. We're on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And um, we'll, I think we're going to carry on all the way through to July. Um, and that's when the tournament starts. And through the tournament, uh, we're so lucky, I guess, that, that um, we've got all this elite talent landing on our shores. And, of course, America, we've already seen, we're here, are coming back and playing games in New Zealand. I think that's a huge coup, given that the, we are sharing the tournament with Australia. We're not just getting... You know, sort of uh, the, the minnows. Um, I mean, to have a senior FIFA tournament played in this part of the world is such a big deal. Aussie got robbed a few years ago, and you know what? Um, they were robbed. They should have been given the tournament. Uh, I can't remember which one was taken away from them, but I just remember their officials when the announcement came out, and they, you know, it was kind of like there's two, 10 million bucks down the drain. And um, I, I really feel that New Zealand's got a chance just to to really get into it. And Smithy, I'm sure I'll see you at one of the games. 
Absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't miss it. I think it's going to be... Well, it is. A, it's a once-in-a-lifetime uh, thing for me. I, I, I won't be around yeah. next time New Zealand gets it. I promise you that. Uh, this morning, Auckland City FC uh, lost 3-0 to Al Ali in Morocco in the World Club uh, Championships. Not sure if you watched too much of that, James, but uh, they looked just a little bit off the pace to me. Yeah, they, they were a little bit. Um, that's your son's old club, of course, and they've had some pretty good times in the in the Club World Cup. They finished third in 2015 or 14. So that was that was where they they really peaked. It's just it's too hard to expect them to fly over there and take on, um, in this case, another team from that part of the world. Um, that's uh, Egypt, and they're playing in Morocco. So you know it's it's their home away from home. Um, they're the African champions. Uh, I thought um, uh, Auckland City played an outstanding first half, um, and they were. Mm. Definitely struggling a little bit by the end there, and um, it's it's a long way to go for a one-off game. I actually wish the Club World Cup would go back to a format where you played um, in a group um, and and had more than just one game. But that's okay. Look, I think it's it's incredible for me to turn on the the TV and see a, a club of really amateurs from New Zealand just out there on, a, on an international FIFA major FIFA tournament, the Club World Cup. Just finally, uh, James, I know you're pretty close with this guy because um, I've seen photos of you with him. Uh, did uh, Tom Brady give you a call? Did Tom Brady give you a call before he hung him up? Well, I'm uh, I'm a bit older than Tom, and I was going, mate, I'll go one more year. You know, if it wasn't for my bad back, I reckon that Tom, <laughs> age 45, is he 45, Smithy? Yes, he is. He is 45. 45. He's done all right, hasn't he? It is a good time to call it. He he. Even though it's it's amazing, quarterback is that one position where you can carry on. I think you know Brett Favre looked older than forty five when he retired, but um, that is an incredible effort. The only disappointing thing for me is that um, apparently he's had a chin implant, and I wish I'd known about those, um, Smithy, because I probably would have invested in that during my TV career. Um, so, but on the, on the uh, on the pitch, he just was so clutch. It's just. Um, you know, nobody can quibble. He is the goat, so he can walk away. Even though he's had a, an awkward um, non-retirement or you know false retirement uh, season, he still took Tampa Bay to the playoffs. He's not too shabby, mm. and um, he can be happy with what he's done. He sure can. Um, James McConey, uh, as always, great to chat to you. Uh, thanks for your knowledge. Good luck with the show ongoing on Sky, of course, Football Fix. And if you do happen to uh, revisit the idea of um, Chin. The chin area. Um, maybe we can yeah. do a two for one deal. Two for one, you and I. Yeah, sounds good, mate. Yeah, it might require a trip to a third world country, but we can do it. We can do that. We can do that. We can watch some football <laughs> while we're there. Cheers, man. Uh, James <laughs> McConey. <laughs> have a great, have a great day, mate. Thank you. It's ten nineteen here on SENZ. We'll be back very shortly uh, with a panel to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Sam Ackerman with us this morning, as is Ben Strang. And uh, I'm just actually uh, at the corner of my eye watching uh, the... uh, Black Caps playing against India, it's not pretty. Uh, at this stage, uh, chasing 235, the stage I'm watching now, they were 7 for 4, good God. Uh, ben Strang, not good, not impressive at uh, at all, and uh, by and large, unsuccessful jaunt to the subcontinent. 
Yeah, uh, very, very disappointing and very tough to watch. I can't believe you're, you're putting yourself through it again, are you, um, Smithy? That's uh, that's some <laughs> sucker for punishment. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just think um, in some ways we've got to get used to it. Um, not, not necessarily performances this bad, but I think the the true golden era that we've gone through, winning the Test Championship, uh, things are uh, we're, we're heading down the other side of the of the mountain now. Uh, I don't think our bowling stocks are, are good enough. Uh, they conceded, you know, 220, 230 is, is no good, as, as good as some of these Indian players are. I think um, some of the guys we have in reserve just aren't good enough. Um, Blair Tickner, for instance, is, is good at uh, domestic level. I just don't think he's good enough at international level. Uh, Batting-wise, the, the guys who are stepping in as well probably aren't good enough. Mark Chapman, for instance. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I don't see us competing at the... Uh, end of tournaments like we have in the past five or six years. No, I don't either, uh, to be perfectly honest. And I wasn't that encouraged from uh, what I was hearing uh, from Gavin Larson in, in the terms of what we've got coming through either. Sam, uh, how do you view the cricket side of things? Uh, morning, Smithy. Morning, Ben. My my uh, recollection about a bit a year and a half ago, sitting on the, on the show saying, let's soak in this golden era. Let's enjoy what we have with the Black Caps. We've waited a long time to be able to say we are among the top, the top, whatever you want to view um, in the cricketing world, because it wasn't going to last forever. Never was. That we achieved that makes these results hard to stomach. Um, but I'm, I suppose, was always of the uh, the view that at some point uh, the the Black Caps would come back to the pack and need to be able to find a way through and I think this era of success uh, is a potentially a burden uh, for the current one but it's also uh, going to be a, an era that'll lead to greater things down the line because of those who grew up watching it or those on the fringe who realised you know what I can be part of a team that can be part of this so there is confidence that'll come from it as for this tour it was always undermanned it was always um, a, a difficult one New Zealand going to India historically isn't exactly you know, showered with great results along the way. Look, set records for the um, biggest, heaviest defeat in, uh, in T20s and all that kind of jazz. And that's that's terrible, right? No one, that's those those are, uh, are burdens for anyone to wear. This team is is good. It's not a great team. It's, 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 we're not in a great era right now. And a test series here against England, Brendan McCullum's England, uh, is going to be such a test again. It's going to be a real uh, spotlight shine on on where our depth sits, and I don't know if it's going to show the results that we hope. Uh, where do you sit then, Sam, with your knowledge of uh, other international sport, etc., on the fact that your head coach, um, your captain, one of your key bowlers, uh, sit it out? I'm on the personal belief that it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't think it's the right way uh, to approach it to unless why not why not legitimately say we're sending a development team like that's approach it that way and say this isn't actually the New Zealand team. We're doing what India did when they came here. If if you want to do that, fine, but be real upfront about it rather than letting us sit here and thinking we're watching the Black Caps because we're not. We're not watching Black Caps, so the brain trust isn't there. They went on a tour to India, including an ODI series where the ODI World Cup is being played this year. It's, I 
can't imagine that would be something you want to throw away when you have a chance to acclimatise and, and test and find things out. Maybe they were testing, and I don't think the answers that they got will be uh, of strength. We live in an era now where, uh, I remember the first time Gary said uh, wasn't involved in the series, we, we all jumped up and down, but in the mental health um, priority era and where we allow people to have a chance to breathe to make sure that they are in the right headspace not just to do their job, but in their life to be able to achieve things. I see scope for for these things. I was I was so surprised this is a tour that would choose to do that. With certainly uh, when you're going to come back to a, a home summer that is truncated anyway. Not that we're going to necessarily going to see that much cricket, judging by what's in the skies above us now. No, I, look, I'm 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 a little bit surprised by this. Uh, to be perfectly honest, Ben, and and I, the more I think about it. Um, when you um, ask or you're gr- granted time off to refresh yourself, is that not a sure sign that all three, l- looking after all three roles, uh, Test match, T20, 50 over cricket, might be a bridge too far? In other words, split the roles. Yeah, it seems perplexing to me. I, I, I have no understanding of, of how these decisions have been made. Uh, you've got... In this Black Caps squad, what, two, maybe three world-class players, uh, you know, Kane Williamson, Devin Conway, I'd say, is a world-class bat. Tim Southey can be a world-class bowler, and for two of the three to be sitting out is uh, is pretty tough to take if you're supporting Black Caps. So, no, it's 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 bizarre, and uh, I, I, yeah, I think there has to be some, some changes. Uh, the problem is if we split roles and, and um, look at the different formats differently – I just don't think New Zealand cricket has the depth like, say, England has shown that they have where they can play a test match and a one-day international on the same day with different squads and be dominating Mm. both. We just don't have that depth. So, you know, people have to stretch themselves pretty thin. Then you've got the the 2020 leagues, which are increasingly popping up around the world and and earning people megabucks. You know, international cricket for a country like New Zealand, 5 million people with very little money compared to the big dogs – it, it can't continue to be the priority for players like it is when the money on offer elsewhere is so big. I just don't know how it survives yep. the way it is. Mm. Well, for me, it's a, it's an interesting point anyway. Um, look, we'll take a quick news break, uh, gents, if you can stay with us. That would be great. Um, and when we come back, we'll look at a little bit of uh, NRL, if we like, um, maybe the all-whites coaching job. Who wants it? I mean, that might be a case of what's coming to. Uh, 10.32. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We've got Ben Strang with us this morning. We've got Sam Ackerman as well. And uh, Sam Ackerman, it seemed uh, forever ago that uh, Danny Hay said, uh, I'm out of here. Um, and uh, as uh, late as this morning, we understand uh, that uh, Football New Zealand are even uh, no closer to actually appointing a replacement. How can our national team not have a coach for so long? Uh, when there's not that much football it certainly makes it a little bit easier but also I think, listen, if, if John Herdman was as close to being across the line as New Zealand football is suggesting then I actually think it was worth taking the shot I think it, he would he would have been 
would have brought an incredible array of experience, not to mention the knowledge and a, a proven previous passion for uh, New Zealand football as well, including his, uh, his son playing in uh, development uh, national squads here as well. So there was a connection as well as a guy who'd taken both men's and women's teams, including the, uh, the football ferns previously, to uh, FIFA World Cup. So it would have been a great get. That it's not leaves them essentially high and dry because I can't imagine who else within that realm is going to do it. A lot of other people who were in consideration have uh, not bothered waiting around. And Darren Baisley is a uh, is a fine servant of New Zealand football, and I'm sure that uh, in the in the interim role he'll be doing the caretaker um, position, and I'm I'm sure he'll go great. I, I don't think that he was the choice, and is would be what would be the reason to part ways with Danny Hayes because uh, Darren Baisley is what they uh, wanted to get. Um, and I, I would respect him in the role for all he's put into football, but they shot for the stars, they've missed, and it's a, I'm intrigued to see where they think they're going to land next. Yeah, I am too. Uh, what do you make of this, Ben? I, I mean, <laughs> New Zealand football, uh, it's not like them to, to butcher an announcement or anything, is it? Um, or, 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 you know, any of their processes. Um, yeah, it was quite, quite amazing when the news came out yesterday suggesting John Herdman, but... I mean, it seemed too good to be true to me at the time. It was kind of like, this is amazing. How, how have we managed to secure a coach of this quality who's just led Canada, a Canada side who looked fantastic at the World Cup, even if they couldn't escape their group? But, um, you know, if, if I was John Herdman, I probably wouldn't trade Alfonso Davies for Libby Kikache either, as good as Libby is. Uh, the talent on offer there is much better than it is in New Zealand, the resources. Uh, so... You know, it, it just leaves New Zealand football in a bit of a hole. I wonder if they will turn to someone like Ufuk Tale, um, who's done a good job with the Phoenix, or if they've got other ideas in the back of their minds. Well, also uh, of interest coming out of uh, New Zealand football is uh, they appear to be shocked by reports of Visit Soldi sponsorship of the Women's World Cup, Ben. This is an interesting choice, uh, bearing in mind... Uh, I suppose uh, we saw it in Qatar anyway, and uh, they, they got through that tournament. But uh, bearing in mind the human rights uh, record, particularly towards women. Yeah, and uh, shock's, shock's the right word, but also the wrong word when you're dealing with FIFA, because it's kind of exactly what you'd expect from an organisation like FIFA. I think it's, it's sports washing at its absolute finest. Um, the process of thought at FIFA it seems just astonishing to me. Here, you know, here's a country that doesn't really believe in women's rights and we'll get them to sponsor the FIFA Women's World Cup. That that makes absolute sense, doesn't it? Um, they're, they're a remarkable organisation. I just don't understand how they come up with this stuff. Staggering. Um, Sam, you have thoughts on that? Uh, it's it's, it's mind-blowing in the context of uh, not being able to read a room, but at the same time, when has, when has FIFA ever had to? They, they have played by their own rules for so long, and even when they get called up on things, it just it, it passes because they choose to ignore it. As far as the... Uh, they are far from the only organisation and will definitely not be the last organisation being um, wooed or blinded by the, uh, the, the Saudi millions, perhaps billions. The, the money that goes into it is phenomenal, and organisations will always need to think commercially. It, it, it does astound me to this day and age how many people, when it's been called out as frequently and consistently as it is, uh, that they're prepared to go down that well. Put it this way, after the Qatar World Cup, I have a very strong inkling that if they were asked to do it again, what would they do differently? FIFA would do next to nothing differently.
I, I just I don't think they're able or worried enough to look at it and go, do you know what, that brought a blight on our game we didn't need or put us under pressure we didn't need. They'll so blindly see it as a success. I, I don't think they can go ahead, um, given the government involvement for uh, the Australia and New Zealand pits. There's the political pressure that can come with us that could cause all kinds of ructions. Uh, but it's... Uh, would, would it surprise anyone? Would it be surprise anyone if they uh, if they brought all the uh, the heads of the uh, the public funding from Saudi to hand over the trophy, for example? Would it, no one. Would, no one would have their mind blown by it, besides shaking their head in frustration. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I doubt whether Budweiser will sponsor the next one over there. What a furor that was. Um, okay, let's uh, look at uh, Tom Brady announcing his retirement. Uh, Sam Ackerman, do you believe this is it? Yeah, yeah, I do because uh, he's been pretty um, humble with it. My favourite uh, thing that's come out of it, he goes, you only get one um, long-winded retirement essay and I've used mine up, so this is just a quick <laughs> goodbye this time around. I don't get to uh, do the whole uh, great big fanfare. It, it, fe- it feels legit, and I, I've got to say the first one felt pretty legit too, but I, I'd say uh, that there's got to be a point. He has got life sorted, right? No question. He, including he's going to uh, work for Fox over there as a uh, as a analyst and commentator on a, uh, a deal that's going to bring in um, what, about $37.5 million a year for 10 years. So I, I, I shed no tears for um, Tom Brady uh, and his life will, uh, life will go on. Yes, he's uh, divorced a supermodel um, between retirements, but I get the feeling the kid's going to be okay. Not bad for a guy who was drafted 199th uh, in the NFL draft. He's he's done good. He surely has uh, done good. Is he um, in terms of quarterbacks? Um, it's uh, it's the modern vernacular, I guess. Uh, ben is he the goat of modern quarterbacks or all quarterbacks? Yeah, he, pro- he probably is. I was reading something today suggesting that he he wasn't as good in the regular season as uh, as Peyton Manning. He wasn't as good in Super Bowls as. Joe Montana, um, but I think you combine everything, and he has been a phenomenal quarterback, an amazing reader of the game, uh, incredibly accurate. Uh, he he was he's an astonishing player, and it does feel final this time. But that that said, uh, my 49ers have lost three quarterbacks this season uh, to season-ending injuries. They've got one of the best, most versatile offenses in the league. I mean, if they if they gave him a call and said, "Hey, do you want to return to where you grew up?" and throw passes to one of the best offences in the NFL, would he turn it down? Uh, you know, you, you sort of wonder about these things. Mm, you do wonder about it, but um, <clears throat> I, I think I've, I've closed the door on Tom, and I've admired him, I've got to say, over a long, long period of time on a number of, uh, on a number of fields. Uh, Sam, you can almost reach out and uh, touch the beginning of uh, the NRL um, season, and that includes, uh, of course, the first Warriors trial. Uh, coming up very shortly. What are you expecting to see out of that? I'm really interested because so this year the, uh, the preseason's done differently. It's a preseason challenge. All the games are televised, and theoretically you, you work your way if you can win both games and you're for, 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 for and against as strong as uh, a monetary value and then crown the preseason champions. It's it's not exactly a tournament, um, but at least there's something a little more tangible on the line. And also for uh, for Andrew Webster as the uh, first assignment as a head coach. He's got um, he's got a lot to to think about and decide and consider. So usually the first trial for the Warriors is 
as a um, complete wash. Any of the regular players or certainly anyone who's been involved in uh, World Cups or off-seasons, they, they usually go nowhere near it. So I'm very intrigued to see uh, what he ends up doing with the side. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what options are being run uh, in the halves and where he's looking in the uh, in the centres as well. I think deciding who goes where in that mix will be um, of particular interest, who um, and uh, Sean Johnson will start in the half, so I've got no question. Who they partner with him um, will be interesting. Whether it's a Tamari Martin, uh, Metcalf's an option too, um, but and like Dylan Walker is an addition in the. Um, is he going to go into the centres? Will he? Will he be a half option? Everyone's talking about him as as fourteen. Is that a uh, is that a lock? It'll be really interesting to see what goes with uh, Andrew Webster, who's got a, a very strong defensive mind. And I hope to see. I mean, the trials are the trials. It's you run through people so quick. Who knows? But I'd like to see a, a more settled defensive approach uh, and a, a belief in the play, in the player next year. That's always the Warriors' problem. Defence they they don't trust the next guy to make the tackle and it creates holes. So if they can go through the trials and show they can hold a defensive line, I think that's a sign for a, a good year. Not our year, just a good year. Uh, just a good year. Okay. Uh, just incidentally, Sam, I on uh, I think social media I saw the initial. Uh, trial squad too for the Dolphins um, who are the new franchise of course under Wayne Bennett I didn't see many names I, I recognised I admit I'm not a, an aficionado as such but uh, what, what would your expectations be of the Dolphins first up? In the trials uh, I wouldn't expect a great deal um, because uh, Wayne Bennett is um, one kg son of a gun he's hardly going to show his cards especially uh, I'd say for the first time in a long time he has the fewest number of cards to play than he has in uh, most of his uh, professional coaching career. So the squad they've assembled is solid, and it's going to go go okay because they've got Wayne Bennett and some key, some good decent players. But this is not a gun team uh, on paper. He has to create a team, so it needs to be rather than a uh, a team of champions. It's up to Wayne Bennett to prove he can create a champion team. I wouldn't read too much into anyone's um, pre seasons because the NRL's never really given it that's much juice before. There's a couple of interesting things in there and the, a few trophies on the line and traditional rivalries and the World Cup challenges back. Uh, but I, yeah, again, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too concerned about any of the teams being put out just yet. Okay. Sam Ackerman and, uh, of course, Ben Strang, thank you very much, gents, for your time this morning. Uh, appreciate uh, your input there on the panel. It's 10.45. It's Kiwi for Sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Yes, and our purpose is uh, Women's Refuge, all our uh, funds that uh, we... when from uh, our investment every week goes uh, towards Women's Refuge and at this stage uh, they're going to be the beneficiaries of $607.50. Uh, right, uh, Friday, being tomorrow night, 6.42, race for number one, Michael Kane, otherwise known as Morris Micklemore. Michael Kane, race for number one, has been just knocking on the door lately from a handy draw, handy draw can win, and at uh, decent money as well. So, uh Look out for Michael Kane race for number one, Addington, 6.42, tomorrow night. That is our pacing for purpose. Just doing a few sums, too, on the bowling performances in this match overnight. And I see Rahul Dravid is there as the, the head coach of uh, India, hands-on there. 
um, and, and I, I, just, I, I still can't quite get my head around the, uh, the fact that this is such an important uh, time to be trying to find out uh, things in Indian conditions. Bowling analysis. Ad Ashdeep Singh, Hardik Panya and Umran Malik, uh, the quick bowlers for India, playing overnight. Got eight wickets for 41 runs. Eight for 41. Lister, Ferguson, Tickner for us, 11 overs, one for 146. One for 146 and 11 overs. Uh, Singh, Panya and Malik, eight for 41. To me, Lockie Ferguson is becoming a big issue. He goes for plenty on those good pitches. And this pitch at Lucknow, that's where he's making his money as an IPL bowler. Concerning. I find that very, very concerning. It is uh, coming up to uh, 10.52 here on SENZ. Yeah, it's about to light up all right, and uh, we're talking about the NRL. There are trials uh, just a week away. The SG ball competition is about to get underway. Rugby league is coming back for Warriors fans, and we know how excited you get for that at home. But it's a little quiet when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement. Still an issue hanging over that. So uh, I think it's uh, apt that we hop across the ditch to our uh, mates at SEN. In Sydney, especially uh, NRL star, former NRL star Brian Fletcher, who already had a chat to this morning on a very good note. I hope that continues. Uh, good morning again, Fletch. Morning, Smithy. Uh, great to hear your voice again, although over two hours later. Yeah, yeah, just two hours later. Hey, um, all sorts of things uh, coming up um, very, very shortly. Uh, tell us a wee bit about this SG ball comp. Are you excited about that, having something tangible to get into? Well, yeah, the kids, they, they kick off. They've, they've been training um, pretty much since the, the, the big boys finished. So it's good seeing all these young kids coming through. And, you know, they're 18 and 19 year old, so they're not that far away from playing NRL. And um, a lot of these clubs, a lot of these players have a bit of a, a taste of, of training with the NRL boys. So it, it's such a good standard. It seems to... Every year, these kids getting bigger and faster. So um, the fans out there are, are getting around it. Right, Dad, can we get the, the administration side out of it, um, out of the way? Because uh, this collective, the CBA thing, is still uh, is still rearing its uh, very very ugly head. Where do you see this uh, finishing? Yeah, well they've, well, they've just. I mean, they've had. We're a month away. So things like when it when it all broke, it, I thought it might have just been a bit of clickbait, and people were, were the papers and the media were just trying to beat a bit of a beat up. But with, with a month away, and we still haven't got anywhere with it, um, it is now not panic stations, but like it, the biggest thing is for these for the NRLW. These girls, a new competition has started. New teams have come in, and these girls don't know where they'll be playing at the moment because they can't register the contracts. And we know through the media all the stuff that the RLPA want, including, which I think was a lay-down there would be the first thing you do, is getting uh, medical insurance. But they still haven't included that. So, um, yeah, I think within the next week or so, we should, we should have some news. But, you know, players are threatening not to do any NRL 
publicity. You know, we've got the All Stars coming up, which is which which is over in New Zealand. So it might be that might be a game where it might not go ahead, which would be tragic, especially for all the Kiwi fans. That's an interesting one uh, when it comes to parity with women in sport, Fletch, because we see this on a, a daily basis in other codes around the world, and by and large, you just have to fall in line. It's happening. So do you see that as an end result, the women winning in this particular, particularly the insurance side of things? Yeah, well, they, they, I think they have to. I, I don't think there's an issue with the salary cap per se with, with the girls because the girls have uh, got an increase, but the increases come with more games. So that's just pro-rated. But I think that's the major thing is um, the medical insurance because it is a contact sport. And don't forget, these girls aren't all professional. They've got other jobs they've got to go to. So you need to... Uh, we've, well, we need to sort that out. And I, I have no doubt that... Um, it, it will get done, but how close to to kick off next month we'll get it to. Right. Okay. Let's um, let's look at um, one of the franchises I'm particularly interested in this year is the the Dolphins. How, how have you seen this early development of of seventeenth uh, team? Yeah. Look, it's, they're going to struggle. I think, Smitty. You know, I know they've got a great coach in, in Wayne Bennett, but as we've seen over the years. Uh, the last couple of years, you need to have a fit side and you need to have depth. And although their top 17 is uh, NRL standard, there's not much below that. Um, I think they'll struggle. I don't know, I, you know, I don't think they'll be pushing for the semi-finals, but it's their first year in. Um, and it's great just to have another another Queensland side in, which teams, we've tried this a couple of times um, uh, with, the, with the crushes, but now... I think they've done their due diligence. They've got their backing. Uh, they've got a great... Well, they'll be playing out of um, Suncorp Stadium, but they've got a great training facility. So um, it, it might be a struggle for a couple of years, but I think the success they, they eventually will have will, will be put down to, to having Wayne Bennett around. What's the news uh, from uh, the Seagulls from Manly on uh, Tom Trebojevich and the injury woes? Yeah, well, he's gone over to the States. He went over to America, which seems to be the new the new thing to do. I don't know why they we can't do it here. I don't know whether it's to clear their head, get away from the media, but apparently there's a guru in Philadelphia that specialises in hamstrings. So it, it is a worry. He's done this hamstring twice now. Um, Manly, if you're a Manly Sea Eagles fan, every time he goes, Tommy goes down, you hold your breath because... He's a player. We, we don't talk about one one player that can that, that the club relies on, but unfortunately for for Manly, it, it is with this kid because we, he won the Dally M after only sixteen games. That's never been done before. Anything if Manly are to to be successful, they need this kid in their side. And at the moment, we were hearing the right noises coming out saying, "Yeah, he's he's fine. He's he's going good." But there is a an argument that maybe take the stress off his hemi, maybe put him in the centres rather than fullback. But I don't know whether that, that, that would work and whether he'd want to do that. Every time uh, the name Roger Tuovasashek comes uh, up in any form of conversation over here, people are interested. It seems he's just one of those kind of blokes that attracts attention. And rumours are rumours. Is it just a rumour that uh, he might be popping back across? And uh, if he was to go to the Roosters, do they... Do they really have a, a, a gap for him there? 
Well, that 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 was yeah. It was floated towards the end of last year, saying he wasn't happy. Uh, I don't know whether that was, and maybe the Roosters had some space in their cap, but you you would think they they wouldn't. The rumor we spoke about it yesterday on the radio it was a bit of tongue in cheek sort of um, comment we, we made, but it certainly gained traction over here. Gained a bit of traction with the Auckland Blues too. I didn't know what a blue cap meant. If you put something in blue cap, it means you're fibbing on social media. Uh, I've got a new nickname mm. over here called Brian Blue Cap. So I don't think <laughs> I don't think I don't think Roger. Um, well, you tell me, Smithy. The, the World Cup's coming on this year. Do you think Roger will be in, in the squad? I think he'd be in the squad. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I I reckon there's scope for him to be there. I think they'll continue his development. It hasn't certainly Fletcher. It hasn't been as quick as uh, everyone thought. It hasn't been a natural progression straight in and. Uh, the All Blacks generally aren't that uh, patient, but they have been with this fellow, and I think that'll uh, continue to be. Otherwise, they'll have all sorts of egg on their faces for persisting as long as they have. So I, I think he, I think he'll be around, and I think he'll be a, a backup part of that squad at this point. Uh, and on that subject, actually, uh, Eddie Jones has uh, come back into uh, the Wallabies coaching role, which means uh, anything goes, I would imagine, including perhaps looking at uh, the NRL for possible talent. Yeah, well, he's already missed out on one. He tried to get young Will Penasini over the line, who's a he was a, uh, a, a schoolboy star of rugby union, but he's just re-signed with uh, the Eels. So it was a funny one. I mean, because we had Rennie, obviously, who went okay, considering where we'd come from for the Wallabies. But uh, it for, what, for whatever reason. Um, Rugby Union uh, Australia decided to to go out and go back when everything's uh, old is new again and give him a five-year deal. Look, whether or not we can compete for the for the title of in the World Cup in a couple of months, I don't know. But um, for five years to, to sign Eddie Jones for five years when he's already had a run, uh, I thought it was a strange decision. But um, you know. There's guys that they know, they know more than me. So whether or not, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll soon see. Of the sides that uh, finished towards the bottom of the competition last year, uh, we're talking about the West Tigers, we're talking the Warriors, the Knights, etc. Do you see any kind of improvement um, for them to their fan bases to be hopeful for? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. But the problem is, no, Smithy, you know, that those teams improve and, and other teams also come on because... It, History shows that two or three teams will, will drop out of the eight. Whether that who that's going to be, we don't know because a lot of those top eight teams are pretty strong still. Parramatta, there's an argument to say they might be weaker without, without Reed Money um, leaving and, and on Papali'i. But I think the West Tigers are, uh, can improve. I think the Warriors definitely. Uh, young Webster, the coach, is a fantastic young coach. I think that's what the Warriors certainly need. And being back at home, too, is going to help. But the buzz over here, it's all about the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have gone on a bit of a spending spree. So uh, you're right. You're right. The, uh, there's going to be some, some uh, I suppose, some hope for those supporters of those teams that haven't been great the last couple of years. This far out, can anyone break down the Panthers? Uh, you know they haven't. They've lost the Webster. We've got Andrew Webster, of course, in the coaching yeah. ranks and things. But playing personnel-wise, what are you seeing about the Panthers and their continuing march? 
Well, they've lost. They've lost. I think you know, other than Harry Grant, they've lost uh, the best hooker in the competition, Nappy Coruscant. That's a, a huge blow. Um, and their injuries, they, they've been blessed the last two years, last three years with with injuries in the sense that Nathan Cleary only missed one or two games because he was injured in the off-season. So you would think um, that the law of averages would say that they, they might get affected by, by injuries a little bit. They lost a kick out. Uh, I think the Chooks with Brandon Smith uh, as an addition to Hooker are the biggest dangers to Penrith's title. But then you've got Melbourne and and you see what the Cowboys did up there. They got all those good young players who are a year better, a year um, further experienced. A couple of them played Origin, which gives them a lot more confidence. So, oh yeah, I think um, I, I think Penrith would do really well to to make it three in a row. How about Newcastle, the Knights? Yeah, I don't know about them, mate. I, I just they sort of you're hearing all this noise coming coming out of the Knights, probably the good thing, I, I think, is having young Lockie Miller from Cronulla, who only, he was a rugby union seven star, and he's only played, I think he's only played half a dozen games for the Sharks. He's now going back to, well, he's not going back, he's signed with Newcastle, which allows Kalen Ponga to go to six, which they need Kalen Ponga as in the halves. So, uh it's a hard one up there because they love their footy. And um, I think the Newcastle, all they want, all their supporters want is just a, a effort from their players because, you know, they can they can um, cope with, with losing. But if the, if the players aren't aiming up, uh, which I think towards the back end of last year, some of them just weren't weren't aiming up, I, I think um, that, that Newcastle crowd will be happy with. I don't know whether they can make the eight, but, um, you know, as I mentioned, Two or three teams every year go up and some obviously come down. Okay. Well, um, you asked me uh, this morning on your show what I've got on for the rest of the week. Uh, what If I was listening to Joel and Fletch <laughs> on the morning show, what, what would I have on the, for the rest of the week? Well, I'm done. I only do on the four days. So I've got to go today. I've got to go out and do some filming with the great Nathan Hindmarsh and Matthew Johns for... Uh, Oh. For Fox League, so we're off at the moment. I'm going out to Heidi's palatial home out there in the in the northwest. It used to see this house, Smitty. I don't know how much he's on, but um, it is a magnificent magnificent ranch he's got out in the northwest. So we're going to do, do some filming for the upcoming um, upcoming Matthew John show. So that's what I'm doing today, mate. Okay, that's a, that brings an interesting point. Uh, and, uh, we know you've got uh, mornings with uh, SEN uh, on eleven seventy. Uh, how much of yep. your working week? How many how many hours do you put into the, those clips and those shows that you you do for Fox? Well, during this time of the year, we, we're quite busy because it's in the off season. We do a lot of. I would say, I would say fifteen hours a week doing stuff with in the off season. Uh, it's a bit part time, I suppose you would call it. Now, part-time, and you combine yeah. the radio, so yeah, it's not a bad little gig, Smithy. It's a bit like you when you're doing the cricket commentary. You know, it's you not reckon? a bad little gig. Yeah, you're very good yeah. at it. Very good at it. No, no, we have a lot of we have a lot of fun, and uh, I find Fox an amazing outfit to work for, as I suppose you do from time to time as well. It's just, yeah. I, I, I just, what do you do do um, that I like, Fletcher's? You bring an invite. You bring an entertainment value uh, around a sport that you know is still very, very serious, and 
I, I think there's still a lot of scope for that in, in, in broadcasting. You guys just seem to have a great rapport amongst the group. Yeah, well, that's it. That's exactly right. Like many people, we make fun of each other, but that's what you do when you get along so well. So, it, yeah, when, when I tell my wife I'm going to work, she says, please don't call it work because you just sit on a lounge and make fun of each other. But it is, uh, it is, it is quite enjoyable. And, you know, you don't take yourself too serious. So I think that's, that's the key as well. I try not to. I try not to, mate. But um, I, I've, I've, I've enjoyed this interview because uh, the bulk of it has been the serious part of rugby league, and uh, that's why we rung you, mate. Hey, thanks very much for your time. Enjoy. Uh, well, enjoy your time with uh, at the ranch at the Hindmarsh Ranch uh, tomorrow, um, and uh, pass on our regards. You're, you're you're a bloody champion, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Smitty. See you, mate. Have a good show. Bye, mate. Yeah, yeah, cheers, uh, Brian Fletch. Fletcher, uh, SEN uh, eleven seventy uh, over there in Sydney, of course, and uh, yeah, he um, and Nathan Highmarsh. Boy, do they have some fun, um, Logan. I, I, I've got to say, you know, I, I'm not a all over magazine shows around sport. I, I tend to be more serious about the game and the fixtures themselves. But those shows are <laughs> compulsive viewing because, as you said, they just take the hell out of each other and and it, it's it's very very funny in the process. They are they are really good. The Maddie Johns show they get it they get up to some mischief, don't they? It's really appointment viewing on a Sunday. I, I remember one. I think they got up to <laughs> some really good stuff, especially during the uh, the shutdown period over over COVID. And you know there wasn't football to talk about. So what do they do? They just drive around Sydney and do stupid stuff. I mean. You know, any anything to get a laugh, they'll do it. And man, they can really put on some good TV. They do, mate. Uh, they they're wonderful entertainers. So, uh, plenty more on the the John's shows uh, throughout the, the NRL coming up, and uh, of course, uh, those preseason games aren't too far away either. Uh, February the ninth, uh, Warriors playing the Tigers at Mount Smart Stadium. Um, of course, uh, we've we've got uh, on the eleventh. Is it? Uh, this is the game mooted in uh, Rotorua that we're hoping goes ahead. Uh, the eleventh. Um, so the Indigenous All Stars uh, coming over for that. Hopefully that uh, does take place. Um, according to uh, Fletch, the, it's just lingering a wee bit behind the scenes still. Um, and I can't really see how they can deny um, the women insurance. Um, parental leave policies and things like that. I mean, they're just part and parcel of running a business these days, surely. Yeah. I I am a little bit worried, Smithy. I mean, you know, well, there's a lot of excitement around the uh, All-Star Games being here in Rotorua. If they don't go ahead, it's going to be a real shame. You know, we talk about CBA negotiations. My mind immediately goes back to the to the NHL lockouts, to Major League Baseball, all the dramas that go on there. I covered the last NHL lockout and it got bloody depressing to be honest because not a lot happens. Not, you know, negotiations do take a while, don't they? And I mean, we're already seeing that, but it feels like the longer it drags on, the worse it gets. Uh, so really, I mean, let's just get a solution <laughs> like we we know what the players want and I'm sure the NRL know what they want and it's just a matter of trying to find that right balance uh just just get there and let's keep the game going I agree totally agree and uh you know there's nothing like uh, having a horrible period of uncertainty about start dates and things like that to kick a season off because it just it just is a big a big downer a big dampener uh just watching uh Blair Tickner get out here I'm um, watching uh, the whole game which in the end was Don't probably not watching the highlights. 
It's like watching the highlights or the lowlights. Nah, it's, it's depressing. 66 for 9. Daryl Mitchell, 35 from 24. Pretty awful. Uh, 11.22 here on SENZ. Um, we'll, take, um, we'll take a quick ad break, and when we come back, uh, we'll be looking very closely towards a stump smithy and uh, some other issues as well to deal with. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. A couple of texts have come in. Morena Smithy, please do you know what time uh, is the Breakers game on tonight? Thanks. Well, it's 9.30. Logan just uh, looked it up, uh, 9.30, and that's against the Illawarra Hawks, of course. So, yeah, 9.30. Uh, Smithy, is it a money thing for New Zealand cricket? Because if they split the roles, uh, less the money for the coach now, uh, not enough dollars for the international coaches. Yeah, well, they'd have to find more money, I would imagine. Um, if you took uh, one or two of the disciplines away from Gary Stead, of course, his salary would probably come down. Um, but, of course, then you're looking at having to replace that. So I don't think you're making winning or losing much money in there, but certainly any overseas coaches would want a lot of money to take the job on. It just simply isn't enough on the pot, I don't think, there. So a few interesting uh, stats that have uh, come out of it. Michael Bracewell only by one over. Got a wicket in that. That was quite interesting. Did you watch it at all, Logan? No, there's this thing that I like called sleep. <laughs> so, you didn't watch it? No, I slept, mate. I slept. You know, I have to get up at 5.30 in the morning to uh, prep the show. So, no, I value my sleep. I uh, don't really watch a lot of overnight cricket, to be fair. Yeah, some interesting excuse me numbers posted. 150 is one of them. And uh, they've got a, f- a fellow by the name of Umran Malik. Umran Malik. <clears throat> He's bowling 150Ks these days for India. So that's impressive. All right, well, uh, Smithy takes a drink of water. As, he takes a drink, <laughs> as I take a drink of water. Now, I come back. Uh, 257. I, I like stats. Uh, here we go. The biggest margin of victory uh, by runs in T20 internationals is 257. Uh, that came um, unbelievably uh, when the Czech Republic plundered 278 for four batting against that very powerful side, Turkey, in a Continental Cup match back in 2019. Um, Sudesh uh, Wikra uh, he scored 104 from 36 balls, 10 sixes and 8 fours. It's pretty quick, isn't it? At number five, uh, that uh, proved obviously to be a tad unsettling for the underdogs, Turkey, who slumped to five for seven before being dismissed uh, for 21 and 8.3 overs with an innings that included eight ducks. So, uh, you know, our performance wasn't great, but there you go. Uh, Also uh, of interest there, uh, you talked about um, Michael Bracewell only bowling one over. He got a wicket in that over. He nearly got another wicket in that over as well and wasn't seen at the bowling crease again. So uh, that would be interesting. It's the heaviest defeat too, just by the by. The heaviest defeat in terms of margins of runs between two test-playing nations in T20 history. Previous mark was 143 when India again triumphed with ridiculous ease over Ireland and Dublin. The hosts were dismissed for 70 on that occasion. Uh, we're dismissed for 66. Not good. Right, uh, let's uh, cheer everyone up a wee bit then uh, here on SENZ 0800 150811. 0800 uh, Get on the blower if you like and uh, call us. And uh, we shall have a crack at Stump Smithy. It's about the only thing that didn't happen last night. No one got stumped. 
Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Top class at his job, and boy, Smithy, those were some depressing stats you were reading out just before. So I do hope we can uh, brighten someone's day with a $50 TAB bonus bet here with Stumped. Yeah, well, uh, they are depressing uh, when you get a pace thing like that, and um, you've just got to grin and bear it and hop on the plane, come home and do something about it. And this doing something about it starts uh, on the six, 16th, <coughs> first test. And it's a day-night test too. Yeah, you take another drink of water, mate, and get ready for stumped. Of course, uh, the Black Caps are about to hop on a plane back home to New Zealand, so wish them safe travels. The England test team is already here, so Baz, if you're listening, hi. Hope you're enjoying Queenstown. Uh, first at the crease, we've got Barry from Palmerston North. Come in, mate. Hey, good morning. Hey, welcome back, Smithy. Yeah, good on you, Barry. Thanks very much for taking the time to call. Uh, nice to be yeah. back uh, in New Zealand, nice to be back in the chair, and nice to be talking to you and giving you the opportunity to perhaps win yeah. 50 bucks from the TAB today. So, uh, Barry, we'll just get I'll Logan to so, give mate. you your... Yep, we'll give uh, Logan, I'll give you your categories. Here we go. All right, you know how the game is played. Here are your topics for today, Barry. The FA Cup, Rugby Sevens, and Cricket. Take your pick. Hey, <laughs> um... I'm going to take cricket, but you you were weak on the golf questions yesterday. Oh, oh, thanks very much, Barry. That's nice. That's a nice way to <coughs> motivate me. What the heck? No, I mean, you you, you knew all those answers, did you? Yeah, and you used them oh. too, just quietly. I, I did not. I did not know. I had a, a mental block when it came to Scotty Scheffler. I can promise you that. And I saw that, I, I saw that, the butler cabin where they hand over the jacket, I saw it, and I saw yeah. uh, Matsuyama, yeah. Matsuyama hand it over to him, and I still can't remember yeah. who he handed it over exactly. to. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And, 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 and tell me this, why, why did Cameron Smith tee off first on the 18th? Why, no, why, why I don't know. Scotty, I don't, why, why, no, no, Scotty Scheffler teed off first, but Cam, it was yeah. Cameron Smith on it, yeah. and he was two behind. But Scotty went off first. It, I, I still don't know why that happened. Did he have a toilet break? Sometimes that happens when they have a toilet break. The other guy just, uh, yeah, for the sake yeah. of the speed of play, well, maybe that was a uh, case. Uh, nah, it's nah, not again. You know, the 72nd hole of the Masters, and yeah. he's two behind, and... He lets the leader go off first because he'd burned oh, in 16. God. But anyway, let's get on. Yeah, yeah. You've, okay. you've thrown enough Fair jabs enough, before even a first question has been dealt. Here we go. Good luck. First question, Baz has brought the Poms into the country to give a wee test cricket lesson to our Black Caps. Jeez, Brian, that's uh, harsh. Uh, of all tests played between the two nations, Ikiwi has scored the most runs with 1,518 over 43 innings. Can you name that retired New Zealand cricketer? Ross Taylor. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, over to you. Mm. Okay, I'm thinking relatively modern. Uh, I'm not thinking we were that successful going back all those years ago. Um, so I'm I'm going to have a crack at Stephen Fleming. 
one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I'm a big fan of Stephen Fleming, but the answer I was looking for was one J.G. Wright. John Wright. John Wright. The old shake. The old shake, right. Okay, good answer. Fair enough. Rightio. Question two. (laughs) Question two for you, Barry. Of all tests played between England and New Zealand, Kiwi has taken the most wickets with 97 over 35 innings. Can you name that retired New Zealand bowler? Richard Hadley. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I mean, really, who else would it be, Smithy? Couldn't have been anyone else. The great man. The yeah. great man himself. I, yeah. I, you you know what I call Barry. my cat? My, my cat's six years old, and you know what his name is? What? Hadley. <laughs> Hadley? My cat's called Hadley. Love he, it. He, Brilliant. He, he's the best sportsman that I've seen in my lifetime. Richard Hadley. Fair enough. That's a big yeah. That's a that's a big statement. But no, no, there are a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people would agree with you. Uh, I can mm. promise you that. Um, yep. So right, uh, Richard Hadley gets you through to question three. Uh, Barry, what is question three? Question three. This is about you, Smithy. <laughs> well, ah. maybe. Uh, Smithy is third on the list for most test dismissals between New Zealand and England with forty-two over twenty-three innings. England's Robert Taylor sits second. Can you name the former New Zealand wicketkeeper in first place with 46 dismissals over 24 innings? Um, wow, that's a toughie. Um, Warren Lees. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field Smithy we know the answer's not well, you okay. yeah I know it's not me um, it's either for me it's either BJ Watling or Adam Perori either BJ Watling or Adam Perori for me so I will go um, Adam Perori just a couple of chips down the wicket right in the slot and away it goes yes Adam Perori the wicket keeper of my childhood is the correct answer well, Barry, all I've got to say is tough cheese. Yeah, well, well done. Keep up the good show. <laughs> you, 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 I'll tell you what, you go and give, uh, go and give uh, Hadley a, a nice little pat on the back and uh, you, you call back uh, at some stage in the future because we've just taken up to a, he, 100 bucks and uh, we'd love he, to see you win yeah. it at some point. No, no, he, he's, he's on my lap as we speak. So uh, I, I've given him a pat for you, Smithy. You do that very good on you, man. Thanks very much, uh, Barry. There, just missing out there. So yeah, uh, Adam Parore, um or BJ Watling. It had to be either of those two uh, from uh, the way I was thinking. So pulled the right rein there. It is uh, eleven forty here on SENZ. We'll be uh, back shortly. Help you succeed in your field, summer or winter. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 11.45 here too on SENZ and uh, Pip Morris uh, has uh, made contact with us, which is great, Pip, because um, it's a busy day for the Greyhounds. There's two meetings, Cambridge and Addington. Um, And are you involved with either of those? 
Good, good morning, I should say, Smithy. I'm not actually. I've just been filming the forms I'm off, but I will be tuning in because I can tell you. I mean, I'm looking forward to Cambridge. There's some really nice chances there with Thrilling Marvel up against Let Love Rule. I actually think Let Love Rule might be able to grab Thrilling Marvel at $4.50 if you're looking for value. But the real meeting tonight is, of course, out of Addington. It's Group 1 Racing. Smithy, you've got the Sockburn Cup to look forward to over the 700 metres with no keeper. It looks like a multi-play there at $1.25. Uh, the St. Ledger with Postman Pat for Anthony Hart just looks ultra hard to beat there. He's another real chance. And then you've got the Breeders that's more open with Carey Street and the Par with Dragon. And we haven't even touched on the Harding Cup yet with the Sprinters. There'll be power plays available on each and every race. And I think there's some nice plays there. And Alternate Shot, who is one of the favourites in the Harding Cup, you can grab him boosted as well at cab.co.nz. So the Greyhound action is really uh, one of the highlights to look forward to. And on the sports side of things, Smithy, well, I can tell you there's been 5.3 thousand put on a Golden State head-to-head at $1.58 in the basketball. Oh, right, that's NBA this afternoon. Of course, there's a um, big bash tonight as well. The Breakers are playing the Hawks, so... Just when you think we're going through a quiet patch, uh, those options become uh, more and more available to us. Uh, Pippa, uh, you, uh, did I hear, I think I heard Rosso say uh, you're involved, uh, are you calling Greyhounds tomorrow? I certainly am, yes. I'll be calling the full 12 race program from Palmerston North, so I'll be heading home to study up my form and hopefully find a few winners for us, Smithy. So do you call those, in all, uh, a lot of these days, uh, sport is called um, remotely. Uh, where are you calling those from? Do you mind me asking? Yes, I'll be calling. I will be calling them remotely from Parnell. So technology these days, I'll be sitting up in Stanley Street uh, calling all of the action from Palmerston North. So it's really great that we've got that opportunity to do that with uh, things that got tough in COVID times. We now do it that way, which is great. Okay, Pip, thanks very much. Good luck with the calls tomorrow and thanks for that information on today's markets. And uh, the Greyhound snippets are very valuable. Have a great day. You too, Smithy. Cheers, uh, Pip Morris there coming to us, uh, courtesy of the TAB. Yes, and uh, it's becoming a bit of an issue, uh, Logan. I, I, I don't know whether you're um, au fait with it in terms of remote calling of cricket. Now, um, I'm not quite sure. We're, I think we might be talking to Howie tomorrow, Mark Howie Howard, um, out of the Fox Cricket Commentary team, of course. Uh, Howie's a, a brilliant uh, broadcaster in his own right, but it has become a bit of an issue, and I saw a couple of headlines um, about um, television companies taking the easy way out and calling games remotely um, <clears throat> but it's just it's just part and, um, part and parcel of what goes on now I mean for the first time this year uh, or last year late last year I can remember um, Sky never sent Sky New Zealand never sent a commentary team uh, with the All Blacks <clears throat> they caused all those uh, those games remotely out of a, a studio in Auckland which was a bit of a first I think it's a big cost ca- uh, cost saving measure I would imagine mm. Uh, but it's not, I can promise you this, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same calling out of a studio, particularly if you're calling cricket, uh, because cricket um, relies on on ball follow, and um, and also when you look out the window, you can see how well a batsman's timed it by the trajectory of the ball. Quite often, um, the camera pick up on that, but the, you don't quite get a great gauge of the distance. So all of a sudden, instead of you saying he hit that well, you're, you're basically saying how well has he hit it. Because you don't know yourself. Yeah, and that, or that he's been caught. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's the thing. You know, you sit there, he sat there remarkably well, uh, but he's been caught twenty yards inside the boundary. You know, I mean, it's just like it, it becomes quite a hard thing to actually do, and it's it's a new skill. Um, um, maybe the new breed of broadcaster coming through will develop that skill a lot quicker than the old school, who 
are so used to being at the ground. I, yeah, I do think maybe that is a generational thing, but also with something like that, you you do need that depth perception and, and you're not going to get that full picture that you will get as you would if you were in the commentary box, right? So I've seen people, um, you know, obviously we're kind of alluding to the recent one that we've seen in the BBL, but, you know, some people have suggested, well, why not put a GoPro in the commentary box and so that they can get that full view? But, I mean, a GoPro, that's going to be so wide. You're not going to see the detail. And it's not like, you know, you're in the commentary, Bruce Smith. You might have a pair of binoculars with you to sort of track, help track the ball or where things are going. You won't get that with a GoPro. It's just going to be a extra wide shot on a TV maybe in a studio in another state or in another country, and you're still not going to get that full picture. Nothing replaces the the element of being there. And I remember uh, a few years ago when the Australian NBL introduced their commentary hub. This is before COVID, by the way, that they had the, co- the commentators all calling out of Melbourne. And, of course, in New Zealand, you still had uh, Andrew Mulligan and Casey Frank doing their calls there at Spark Arena, and the difference was so vast, it was really contrasting. And the NBL took a lot of flack for that. Um, I, I know they do still call some games from a central hub. Maybe they still do some uh, back at stadiums now that things have kind of lifted with the pandemic. But they were doing this pre-pandemic as a cost-cutting exercise. It's just kind of the way of the world these days. It is, and it'll be more, more and more prevalent. Uh, ask the old-fashioned broadcaster, and they'll say they love being at the ground because it just feels better. Um, it, it's, a, it's just a, it's got a nicer. Uh, you're in more in touch with the atmosphere. Being at the ground uh, brings uh, the best out in you as well, as, as opposed to being in a booth somewhere downtown or in another city. So, uh, but mark my words, it's going to be a much, much more uh, prevalent uh, way of, of calling sport. Um, I would wouldn't know exactly how many NPC games um, in a calendar year are called from a studio as a, and just sending one person to the ground, but quite a few. Uh, quite a few of those uh, games where you just send like a reporter or you have a local person as a reporter to do uh, pre-match and interviews and half-time interviews and things like that. Um, but apart from that, you, you, you're staring down the barrel of um, the commentators uh, coming predominantly out of Auckland uh, in this country. And... and um, what it makes is is, there is a delay uh, from a broadcasting point of view. There is a slight delay, and you can pick up on that. You can pick up on the delay, and you can also pick up on the over-talking as well. Um, so it's it's a different art altogether to broadcast a game of sport when you're not at the ground uh, and uh, a big issue. Uh, I've just uh, I've picked up on this yesterday as well, uh, very late in the piece. The shot clock will be used during the Six Nations this year to help speed up kicks at goal, but fans will not be able to see that in the first two rounds of the tournament. Um, it won't be until round three um, in terms of them being able to actually pick up because they want to make it seen, they want the clock to be seen at the ground, so it's part, much m- more part of the entertainment spectacle. So expect that uh, they're going to have uh, 60, uh, 60 seconds uh, for each penalty goal because you've got the ball there, 90 seconds for each conversion because quite often... You have to go chase the ball into the crowd or the, the try scorers are celebrated by throwing it away, so you have to go get that ball. Why that is, I don't know. I mean, you want to speed the game up, just throw another ball on. I mean, what's wrong with kicking the ball into the crowd and the crowd taking the ball home? I think it's great. Part of the atmosphere. Uh, 11.52, 11, yeah, 11.53 actually here on SCNZ. Just